You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado. Son of a semi-retired truck driver. There's a little play on words there if you think about it. I'll give you a minute. I have been watching with interest this business out of Canada that I'm told the mainstream media is not covering, but then I don't really watch the mainstream media, so I didn't notice. (laughs) You guys would have to be a reliable source of information to be able to control what it is that I do and don't see. I'd have to be going to you looking for answers in order for you to give me the wrong ones. But in any event, the story is, for those of you who are not familiar, something like 10,000 to 50,000, who knows exactly how many truck drivers are making their way or have made their way, still more to come, to the capital city of Ottawa, where they intend to shut down the city, shut down the government, and go on strike until Justin Trudeau's liberal, not liberal, what do you want to call it, leftist, globalist administration resigns. Their COVID lockdowns of Canada are killing people. They are destroying lives. They have destroyed lives. Enough is enough. And quite frankly, those truck drivers are my hero. Those truck drivers, I think, are doing a fine thing. Now, I don't think that they should be destroying property, but I do think that given the circumstances, you literally have a blockade of Canada's capital city, that seems very dire. That seems really, really rather extreme. Uh, you wouldn't just do that for any old thing. But given the circumstances, when it's a choice between your country living under tyranny, people dying from substance abuse and domestic violence and suicide, from entirely treatable conditions but being refused service because they refused to get the vaccine. Children not getting an education. As if the elites really don't think your children have a future. And they don't care about what kind of a future your children have if your children do have a future. It seems as though all these folks really, truly care about is power anymore. Calling the shots and talking down to anyone who objects on the grounds that that's not tenable, that's not sustainable. I can't provide for my family if you do that. You're going to destroy millions of people. Well, they shrug. At least we're learning lessons we can implement with climate change because they're not doing this except as a trial run, I think, for how they're going to combat climate change. It's a whole lot of Malthusian 
Darwinian psychopaths, very self-satisfied, who think the world would be a better place with all but half a billion going away. But truck drivers shutting down the capital city of Canada and the corporate media not covering it, that could change things dramatically. Can you imagine with me, and I don't know how likely this is. I I wish I did. I wish I could say it's a certainty because I think Justin Trudeau in Canada, Canada's prime minister, and yes, I have on occasion said Canada just for fun. By the way, that was not an accident. That was on purpose. I'm used to thinking that's funny to call it Canada because I think Canada's funny. Kind of a funny little country up there. But Justin Trudeau is a bad joke. Justin Trudeau is a good-looking globalist who has the right connections and doesn't need public support because he's got the globalist support. And the corporate media in Canada works an awful lot like the corporate media here in the U.S. And so also, wouldn't it be grand if we could change all of the above. Seems as though Australia is in need. So maybe if Trudeau can be forced out with a concerted effort on the part of Canadian truck drivers, with the help of some American truck drivers, I'm told, maybe, just maybe, we can do something about the administration here in the States. I believe it was Winston Churchill who once said that politicians and diapers are alike in that they need to be changed often and often for the same reason. But I'm optimistic about America's chances of doing a course correction. I'm optimistic to hedge my bets and to avoid having an overly rosy view, I'm reading Molly Hemingway's expose of the 2020 election, Rigged. That was highly recommended to me by my cousin Micah several months ago. He read it and spoke highly of it. I don't know that there's a lot of information in this that changes my mind. But there is a lot of information in this book that is helpful reassurance and confirmation. Some of the history that Molly Hemingway has put into this book of why we had the election laws that we did, which were suspended, bypassed, modified, temporarily circumvented during the 2020 election. That history is really important for us to know, particularly when you're treated like a conspiracy theorist or a traitor or seditious to even suggest there could have been fraud, massive, widespread, and sufficient. Tell me this, if there wasn't massive fraud, decisive fraud in the 2020 election, then why did the Democrats work so very, very hard to bypass all of the election laws 
all of the safeguards. Why would you bypass all of the safeguards unless you plan to do something not quite above board? And oh, by the way, Molly Hemingway, thank you very much. Well done so far. I'm not quite finished with your book. I'm three chapters in. Designed in a lab. <laughs> a great little chapter. I'm almost finished with COVID. Almost seemed like it was designed in a lab to disrupt the 2020 election and Donald Trump's re-election bid. How about that? I think that's because it was, quite frankly. You see the irrational way that the public health officials and the politicians and the corporate media relate to even, just take for the latest example, this convoy of Canadian truck drivers. Why isn't that getting covered in an even-handed way, if at all? Why is that out of the news cycle, as I'm told? I'm told that it is. I don't know that it is, but I'm told that it's out of the news cycle. It's not being covered. There's a lot of protests around the world that aren't being covered by our mainstream media. And why is that? And what else do you call that except a cover-up? Why is it that when there is evidence of corruption on the part of Dr. Fauci, that's not the story. That's not the headline. The headline is that Republican politicians who question these things are in for another round of dehumanizing by supposed late-night comedians who are not comedians. It's not funny. We're not laughing as you destroy our country, as you destroy our livelihoods, as you destroy our freedom and our ability to provide for our families. As you destroy our children's childhood, we're not laughing because it's not funny. It's evil, actually. It's very evil what you're doing. You're not even trying to be funny anymore. You have a laugh track that plays. I don't even know if you're human anymore or if you're just a robot that looks like Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel Oh, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. Notthebee.com reports Evangeline Lilly official, blue check on Twitter, reported, tweeted. She reported in her tweet. <laughs> Reportedly tweeted. Tweetedly reported. I was in D.C. this weekend to support bodily Sovereignty, while Canadian truckers were rallying for their cross-country peaceful convoy in support of the same thing. I believe nobody should ever be forced to inject their body with anything against their will under threat of violent attack, arrest or detention without trial, loss of employment, homelessness, starvation, loss of education, alienation from loved ones, excommunication from society, under any threat whatsoever. This is not the way. This is not safe. This is not healthy. This is not love. I understand the world is in fear. But I don't believe that answering fear with force will fix our problems. I was pro-choice before COVID, and I am still pro-choice today. Medical choice, medical freedom, bodily autonomy, bodily sovereignty. Defeat the mandates. DC, Canadian truckers, I am with you. Hashtags galore there at the end. Now, I will say, Evangeline Lilly, very pretty. Good actress. Enjoyable actress to watch on the big screen. I really, really appreciate that she is jumping on board with this. Uh, we definitely disagree 
about whether your pro-choice position makes sense with regards to abortion. Because again, you're not talking about your body. You're talking about the baby's body. You're not talking about what you do with your body when you get an abortion. That's not your body. Baby Andrew Matthias Mollett, who was just born the day before yesterday, is not my wife's body. He depends on my wife's body. But that aside, insofar as the pro-choice crowd would have a point if they were in fact talking about a woman's body when they're talking about the fetus and abortion, insofar as they would have a point but don't actually, I agree with them on the vaccine business. And actually, this could be a turnabout. This could be a major upset for the pro-choice, pro-life debate. Because here's the thing. I completely agree that it's wrong and it's immoral for somebody to be saying, no, you can't get this medicine. Ivermectin, you can't have that. In fact, we're going to pull your husband off of life support rather than let you try this medicine. Really? Really? We're telling you we want to try this medicine that's been approved for decades. Other people have said they tried it when they had COVID and they recovered. We're telling you that we want to use this medicine. He's going to die. He's not going to be any more dead if you try the ivermectin than he will be if you don't try the ivermectin. But you are going to insist, you're going to demand that he just die. You're going to pull him off life support and just let him die rather than let us treat him with ivermectin. Really? Really? Trust the science? Please. You know, actually, what we need right now is we do need the government to get between us and some of these doctors. We do need the government to get between us, to get between women and some of these doctors, because some of these doctors are power-hungry egomaniacs who care infinitely more about their own power, their own authority, their own respectability, their own financial windfall than they do about the people they swore an oath to provide medical care to. I've got family who's in the medical field. My wife studied to be a nurse. She was intending to become a nurse until I carried her off like seven brides for seven brothers, abducted her, carried her off to my cabin in Montana, made her fall in love with me over the winter. (laughs) But my wife was studying to become a nurse. We have family in medicine. And I know, I know that I know that I know that there are definitely doctors and nurses and surgeons and There are medical professionals who are in the business because they genuinely love people, they care about people who are hurting, and they believe they can do some good, and they want to do some good. And that's why they're there. And just as strongly as I believe that and know that without a doubt, I also know that there are plenty of men and women who are sinful fallen creatures who are just in it for the money. That is the only reason why they went through all that schooling, went to get their certificate 
their diploma, their license, their credentials, their piece of paper that says they can practice medicine because of the money, because of the respect. And if you threaten either the money or the respect, then you find out what's really most important to them. Where their treasure is, so their heart is also. And their treasure is not in people getting better necessarily all the time, always. You know, I talked in yesterday's episode about how our bodies are not perfect. Until the eschaton, until Jesus comes back again and makes those who are in him like him with a resurrected body, our bodies don't work like they're supposed to. And we get sick and we break and we die. And that's why I'm thankful that in an emergency, we have modern medicine, which we get to make decisions concerning our reliance on. I get to choose who I take my family to as far as doctoring goes. My wife gets to choose what medicines we take and don't take after we've looked at the side effects to figure out whether the cure is worse than the disease itself. We get to make those decisions. And when you start getting people with a demonstrated profit motive insisting that our bodies are affected by the curse of sin and death and the fall, but their hearts and their souls are not, because they wear a white lab coat, because they wear a white lab coat, they are the new priesthood. They are the holy ones. And it's a kind of sacrilege if you dare question the so-called science. Well, that doesn't sound very sciencey. That sounds a lot more like step pyramids in the Amazon rainforest. It sounds an awful lot like you wearing feathers and necklaces made of shells and cutting someone's living heart out of their body and kicking them down the pyramid so that the rain god will bless us with a good harvest this year. A little bloodletting. So long as you hold the knife and you wear the headdress, you're the holy man. And if I don't want to get sacrificed too, I best not question you, I guess. Can you imagine if they succeed, which we don't know they will, we don't know they won't, but if they succeed, what could the ripple effect be? You know, I'm looking at rigged how the media, big tech, and the Democrats seized our elections by Molly Hemingway. And I'm looking at the polling numbers and I'm looking at the anger, American men and women, even ones who have voted Democrat their whole lives, even among Americans who are Democrats. I mean, <laughs> how bad is it, Democrats, when you have to hoist a pandemic on the world and bypass all of the safeties in an election in order to win in 2020? How bad is it for you? How bad is it for you when your razor-thin majority in the Senate can't even be counted on because you're so bad 
anymore and worse and worse by the day and week. You're so bad that your own senators are like, nah, man, we might switch parties, actually. We might, we might go over to the Republicans. You guys are awful. How bad have you gotten? It's corruption. It's infection. It needs to be cut out. How bad is it when you start getting pro-choice Hollywood liberals saying, you know what? I'm actually with the Canadian truckers on this one. Never thought I'd say that. Trudeau, you should step down. And it, if Trudeau steps down, and this is why the media is not covering it. This is why, <laughs> this is why the media is not covering it here in the U.S. If Trudeau steps down, then you know that you know that you know that American truckers are going to try to do the same thing here in the U.S. and in state capitals around the country. You just know it. And if that happens, maybe, just maybe, a new government in Canada, a new government in the U.S. can apply pressure on Australia, give backing and support to Australian men and women who, I did I miss it? Did, did I miss Australia becoming just one giant penal colony again? Because it certainly looks like it when you see footage and videos from Australia with the COVID lockdowns and people trying to protest the COVID lockdowns. You're curing the disease by killing the patient. Medicine 101, when you have to kill the patient in order to cure the disease, the cure is not worth it. For something with a survival rate of 99.99%, which we knew early on was that good. We knew that the survival rate was that good early on. Methinks that the disease as you see it is not actually COVID. The disease is us. We're the disease as you see it. We're the infection. You have a lot of very wealthy, rich, powerful, arrogant, and godless people who think they are curing the disease if they get us out of the way, apparently. And in such a circumstance, I think that people can be forgiven for saying, no, I realize it's Canada. A whole lot of loyalists who didn't want to throw off King George 250 some odd years ago made their home there. A whole lot of Frenchies. A whole lot of loyalists and Frenchmen. That's Canada. But I hope they succeed. I wish them well. I think it's heroic what they're doing. And then you see the footage of this convoy driving through town after town after town. People lining up on the side of the road, holding signs, cheering. These guys are heroes to them. Two years Two years with Trudeau as your prime minister. It was bad enough. Trudeau being your leader, I'm sorry. Like, that's awful. How embarrassing. It was bad enough before the pandemic. And then that guy starts locking your country down. Ugh. That's just the worst. Bring on the truck drivers. There's a kind of rape-like quality to threatening physical violence, loss of income, loss of job, 
to hardworking men if they don't get the vaccine. There's a kind of rape-like quality. There's a kind of sadomasochism to requiring men, women, and children across the country to wear masks, even as you see candid photo after candid photo of these very same leftist politicians who are forcing children to wear masks all day. Who cares what it does to your blood ox? Who cares what it does to your ability to concentrate? Who cares what it does to your cognitive and social development? Who cares what it does to your ability to learn how to communicate with other people? How to be a human being? How to be treated like a human being? Who cares what it does to your humanity? They're going out with the guys. They're throwing a big birthday party at Martha's Vineyard and inviting their wealthy and powerful friends from around the world who help them get elected and reelected. And they don't need to wear masks because they make the rules. They can make two sets, one for you and one for them. We're all equal. Some of us are more equal than others is the lesson. Now, if Molly Hemingway doesn't destroy my optimism, which I hope, I'm hoping she's not going to. This is a large part of why I'm reading this. I want to hear some optimism. I want you to tell me that we can stop this from happening again, what happened in 2020. But if she doesn't ruin my optimism about 2022 and the midterms and Republicans taking back the Senate, maybe at least the Senate. Can we take back the House as well? Is that an option? There's good reason to suppose relief is coming. I was thinking it the second I heard that Justice Breyer was resigning. He had announced or was about to announce his retirement from the Supreme Court. Some floated the possibility that Kamala Harris might be appointed his replacement, which is so funny, so, so funny. I can't imagine her being on the Supreme Court. It's just the worst. Failing upward. Just the worst. But it's funny, in a sense, because that would give Joe Biden an opportunity to free up his VP slot. Then he gets to pick somebody else, somebody that maybe is actually likable and not so awful. Maybe, just maybe, Stephen Breyer gets replaced with Kamala Harris and maybe not. I think not. It would be very, very funny if Stephen Breyer actually retires and Biden can't actually nominate a replacement. Except what the Democrats might be playing is run out the clock. If we can't get victories at the Supreme Court, maybe we'll just have the Supreme Court be a man down for a bit. Try and make political hay out of that. The other possibility, the strong possibility, the much happier possibility, is that 
The Democrats know, Stephen Breyer certainly knows. The New York Times has a story out by Jeff Shessel, a historian from yesterday, actually. It's a guest essay, opinion piece. The willful naivete of Stephen Breyer, Jeff Shessel, is author of three books about American politics, including Supreme Power, Franklin Roosevelt versus the Supreme Court. Jeff Shessel, Shessel says that Biden likely has an extremely narrow window in which to appoint a replacement for Justice Breyer. That is to say, the Democrats, as they see it, are cruising for a bruising. They're about to get decimated, wiped out, thrashed in the midterms. Hopefully. From our lips to God's ears, we should say. Now just imagine, for those of you who are feeling depressed, whose only consolation is that this earth is not our home, everything else looking pretty bleak, the outlook is not good, we may have a war with Russia and China in the near future. I hope it is not with Biden as commander-in-chief. Now is not a good time when you have been weeding out anybody with a backbone and a conscience who refused to get the COVID vaccine. It's not a good time to be getting into a war. It's not a good time to get into a war when you bungled the conclusion of the war in Afghanistan. But maybe, just maybe, here at home, domestically, we're about to see Republicans helping this country to get back on its feet again. Wouldn't that be nice? I don't know that that'll happen. That's not where my ultimate hope rests, but I do hope that it happens for all our sakes. I'm going to argue in that direction. I'm going to choose to interpret Justice Stephen Breyer resigning, retiring, as a positive sign. I'm going to watch these truck drivers in Canada with keen interest, and I might just grab a bowl of popcorn to see how many more Hollywood actors and actresses, besides Evangeline Lilly, are willing to jump on board, throw their weight behind this. We might actually be finding some things we agree on. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Biden, you're achieving that unity you talked about, not in the way that you thought you would, not in the way you advertised, but you're getting there. I got to run, though. I've got four older boys. Now it's the four older and the four younger. I have to get used to that. But four older boys are going swimming at the Eaton Rec Center with the Brown Rigs. And I've heard that there are some Polk boys who are going to be there as well. So my four older boys are very, very excited about that. Very much looking forward to that. My daughter, Evelyn, is sad. She said that she didn't get invited. And that's not to say that she should have been. I'm glad that she didn't get invited because I think it's good that the older boys get to go do something 
just themselves. And I also think it's kind of sweet that she wishes she could go. She wanted to go. We'll do something fun while her older brothers are out. Evelyn, Enoch, John, and Andrew. The four younger. But, as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. listening to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.